Hey everyone, welcome to Real Indigenous. This is your host, Angela, and with me is Monica. Hey everyone. So the two of us wanted to hop on and talk a little bit about Navajo police. Class of 57? Class of right? 57, yep. So this series, it's three episodes and it's showing on HBO Max, aka Max now. Yes, just the Max. Just the Max. And it's executive produced by Black Horse Low. Oh. Yeah. Did you not know that? I did not. <laughs> That's cool. So Namaho Police Class 57 is one year in the life of a recruit for the Navajo Nation's police department. Navajo Nation has what? The largest landmass reservation in North America, right? And this series happens kind of towards the end of lockdown. Everyone's still practicing safe distancing and all of that stuff. Yeah, we see a lot of masks. I will say that the Navajo Nation was very, very affected by COVID-19, right? So their leadership was pretty strict and shut the shut the reservation down for a long period of time, had mask mandates for much longer than maybe some other, even some other tribes in the area because they lost a disproportionate amount of elders. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they address in this is the loss of language and the use of language which i thought was very effective and they talk about the twin warriors and how they go about protecting their people and there's some parallels to that story in the navajo nation police yeah they do that right off right from the beginning which i thought was generous of them to share a piece of their origin story their creation story yeah i had never heard that story before and it was it was really interesting and i think really special to hear it one of my friends was involved in the world of law enforcement and they always say that you know there's two people two kinds of people that are attracted to law enforcement there are the deadly do rights and then there's the hot shots and looking at this class of recruits to me, they are all mostly the deadly do rights. And it seemed like a really good group of kids. And I would say mostly kids. There was one one guy who was in his 30s, which they were calling the old man. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like, oh, I feel really old. <laughs> but um, they start off with 24. Is it 24 recruits? 24. And it was like, they were saying like, we wish we had more. That's the only tribe that has its own police academy, according to the documentary. And and they sort of reveal this a little bit later that they really struggle to even get 24 to start off their orientation. I think the first episode we see is is orientation beginning, right? Right. And, um, and it's because so many people have have charges against them or have some something in their record that disqualifies them from serving on the police. I would think that recruiting right now it would especially on the reservation would be very difficult just because think, of that. Yeah, but I don't think that that means that you have to think about it in terms of like they're recruiting Navajos. They're not trying to have 
non-Navajos be police. And so when you think about it and you hear, well, we can't get them because so many people have records, we're talking about 300, almost 400,000 enrolled citizens. If you're talking about it, let's say the Albuquerque police, and they're Mm -hmm. saying they're having a hard time, it's because people don't want to be police. It's not because of the records because there's a much larger pool of people that could potentially be fit into that category. Do you know what I'm saying, Angela? Kind of, yeah. It's a numbers game. Yeah, what I'm saying is like Navajo people are not prone to violence and having records and things like that. They are, they're pooling from a, a much smaller pool. And with that comes a normal amount of, you know, folks who have DUIs and things like that, that would disqualify them from serving as a police officer. Well, currently, according to an article in Arizona Central, there are only 180 officers to cover 27,000 square miles in three states for the Navajo Nation. And, you know, Dark Winds kind of touches on that in a fictionalized way. I feel like this series is a look at the reality of what that is. It shies away from the mystic mystery type thing and focuses in on the difficulties of being law enforcement on such a huge reservation with those recruiting barriers that are in place. So I thought that this show, this Navajo police was a continuation of a show I saw one time that was like cops basically following Navajo police officers around. But it turns out that that was like a a National Geographic show that was on for one season. When you were talking about like the mysticism and everything like that, I remember because they really played that up in the Navajo cops the one episode I saw anyway, where they had called in and they were called in that there was a skinwalker or something. And the police was like, police officer was just like running around with a flashlight trying to look for, th- I don't know. I didn't care for it. <laughs> too much. So that's what I was expecting when it said like class of 57. I was like, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, are there 57 seasons of this N- Navajo police reality show that I've watched a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) well the way a streaming series works then sometimes yeah (laughs) I was pleasantly delighted to find that it was you know following these recruits I had talked to the police chief uh the the outgoing police chief um I had interviewed him before and about exactly this problem and it was surprising to me and it was exciting to watch and I really liked the first episode although it was very brutal the way that they treated the recruits I thought so too I think that was kind of an old school way of training law enforcement in you know in the third episode they finally asked the recruits for feedback Mm -hmm. and one of the things that they get honest about is the fact that these recruits have been broken down at home. So usually at home and with their family and friends, they've been told that they are crap and they're not 
worth anything and they're doing a horrible job and that maybe that works for the first half of the training, but perhaps, you know, when it gets to the second half, when it gets more mental, that they would be more, the instructors would be more effective if they were supportive Mm. of the recruits and not just, you know, using the full metal jacket method of training. (laughs) Because we should explain a little bit like what they do is there's like a little orientation weekend or something like that or right before and then the then all the recruits come in and they make them line up and they just start screaming at them and they tell them to empty their bags out and load them back up, empty them out, just calling them names and they explain in it that they're doing this because They need to get used to chaos and shitty situations, essentially, and to to be calm and collected under those situations. And I could just feel myself tensing up. I wanted to, like, scream back at them or run and hide in the other room. It was just very triggering for me. And it made me think a lot about, like, how many of us experience trauma and it, it's like a trauma, the way that they're treating them, right? And they actually draw this parallel in episode two, I believe it is, where they're, they're in their classes and the professors, not professor, but the instructor. The instructor. Yeah, that's the right word, is teaching about domestic violence and the circle of violence. And as she's saying these examples, like screaming at you and belittling you, they're playing clips back from when when the rec- the first day the recruits are experiencing that, and and then they just go through the whole thing. And I didn't. It felt like the filmmakers saying "fuck you" to law enforcement, like really just saying "fuck you" to law enforcement by basically drawing a straight line parallel from abuser to what they were you know teaching at this academy I don't know am I is it too much black and white thinking for me to think that it's very black and white to me because later on in I want to say later in two and and into three you start realizing that they have to be very mentally tough because the people that they're working with are their friends and family mm-hmm. and the emotional toll that it's going to take on them throughout the years of all the things of the horrible things that they see people doing to each other. They've got to be able to do that separation. You know, the, the veteran officers talk about being able to switch it on and off effectively. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that method of breaking you down to build you up works. And sometimes it doesn't, but for these 28 24 recruits only 10 make it through spoiler alert only 10 make it through and a lot of that does have to do with the fact that it's it is demeaning and they can't make it through that first half to make it to the second half where it's less demeaning to that point they need to in order to survive that career because at the end of, of the third episode one of the young recruits get in, gets into a situation where he has to discharge his his weapon. And mm-hmm. the aftermath of that on him is 
brutal to him and his family and so you can understand why the veteran cops are like trying to show their support by teaching them how to do it they may not be doing it in the best way does that make sense yeah i mean if you have if you're going to carry a gun you better be ready to go and if that's what it takes to be ready to go I, yeah that's why i just i have a lot of respect for that profession because um that's not me i'm <laughs> i'm off in the corner crying being like shut up <laughs> you didn't say that it's not nice <laughs> it's not nice it's and not. they and they do weed out a lot of the softies <laughs> i mean they weeded me out on episode one, on episode one. I worked on the three times that a vocal competition came to Oklahoma City. And you could tell, and, and all of the crew could tell that had traveled all over the, the nation doing this. They knew exactly who was going to make it and who was not just when they came up to the table to sign. And they they shared it with the rest of us. They were like, you know, if somebody came in with all this family and, oh, they're so excited and weeping and big hopes and dreams they're like yeah they're not gonna make it if one person came in with a guitar it was just like i'm here to do this sign their name walked out they're like okay they're gonna make it wow because it's such a mind game when you get into it so i can't imagine the strength of character you have to have to walk up to a house not knowing what's on the other side of that door not yeah. knowing if that person's going to be dead or alive or in crisis or willing to accept help. You know, they kind of touch on some of the calls that they take and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It was unresponsive and it was his brother. It was his brother. That's horrible. Yeah. And, you know, my friend that was in law enforcement said, you know, there are different ways that people cope. And one of the more unhealthy ways is through substance abuse. And then you start getting, you know, law enforcement officers that are dulling the pain. And so when I was watching this by the third episode, I was like, I really hope that they have somebody that they can call after a really tough situation that can mentor them through the recovery. You know, I, I work in a job where we have a lot of young people who are volunteering their service for our country. And it's really heartening to see all of the older people that are in this job be there to support the younger people. And it's been a slow but steady mind shift to where mentorship is playing this huge part in creating mentally healthy defenders. And it's something that's been neglected because, you know, used to, you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and we don't talk about that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's so common in native communities anyway. We don't talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Why are you talking about that? And I mean, it seems like they're making some change. They're like, it's a little bit different. I know they were in a yoga class in one scene or something they were meditating they were meditating so they're trying to help help them find ways to Mm -hmm. deal with a really stressful job a really high pressure stressful job Mm -hmm. I liked the series what what did you think I thoroughly enjoyed it 
I think that it was really well done. There were, you know, you have some fan favorites. You always have some fan favorites. And one of the recruits who I just thought was going to make it washed out because they went to a concert. Yeah. They had, let's, let's be clear. They had spent 400 American physical dollars (laughs) on Metallica tickets. I I have to say I was a, I was a TA for a, a class that was predominantly native Americans at university of New Mexico. And the professor told me straight up from day one, um, they're going to have like 14 grandparents that die to get out of things. And I was like, no one would ever do that. That's horrible. And I don't, you know, I can't say for a fact if that happened in my class, but in this <laughs> series, she had her mom call in and say that one of her grandparents died, right? I don't even think it was her mom. I think it was a friend of hers that said she was her mom. Oh, that's even worse. Even worse. Because he said she colluded with her friend. And I went, ooh, colluded. Oh. There's that word. <laughs> <laughs> I was rooting for her, too. I know. I was just like, no, why did you have to do that? There was one guy that got kicked out because he didn't fully disclose all of his charges against him. Mm, yeah. Because it was somehow tied up in court. And he was like, well, I wasn't sure if, if that counted. And they were like, yeah, dude, that totally counts. So sorry, you got to leave. Yeah, because his, <laughs> it sounded like he was a material witness or something. He was, it was sounded like he, there was, there was a possibility that he didn't do anything. And so when they, when they come and ask him, he's like, I got mad and I threw a rock. Yeah. At my step. And he's like, okay, you're done. Let's yeah. Yeah. Walk you out. <laughs> well, you know, then there's the kid that was the son of a preacher uh-huh you know and he his parents were gracious enough to share their experience and how yeah. they were called into the ministry and then that kind of shows how he was called into service public service you know to and he even says that he's realized that he's willing to take a bullet and that he just wants to be able to make a difference in somebody's life mm-hmm. he also had gone through the tr- the boot camp or whatever the the academy once before and he had missed he had just barely not qualified with um at the shooting range and so they made him do the whole thing again we'll leave that one for you for our listeners to find out whether or not he passes it the second time we're spoiling everything else but that And then, you know, you get to spend a little time with the senior officers, the ones that are the trainers. And I thought it was really funny at graduation where they were like making all these little side bets about the hug. It's like, oh, you know, you're going to win $200 if you get a full on body hug from Sergeant. And so <laughs> this one kid goes through the line and he goes up to the Sergeant. He's like, can I have a hug? And he's like, are you going to win some money? <laughs> he's like permission to hug you sir (laughs) like yeah like full-on hug (laughs) it had the feeling it was like 20 minutes into it i realized oh this is a legit 
HBO documentary. It had that HBO documentary feeling, which is why when I realized, oh, I'm watching a different series here. <laughs> like I'm not watching the same, uh, the one I had confused from National Geographic, you know, because because it was storytelling drawn out as opposed to incident to incident and then a tiny little bit about Navajo people and and things like that. Is that what encapsulates an HBO doc? I think so. I mean, just good storytelling. Yeah. There was definitely some parts where I was a little uncomfortable and I felt like there was some poverty porn going on where where you have the politician talking about there was I think she was a a council delegate and she was talking about how terrible things are and then they're showing pictures of unhoused relatives passed out or drunk and I don't need to see those images anymore I don't but maybe they always have to be in a documentary about native people struggles maybe I don't know I don't know listening to the one lady who was contemplating suicide and then you know how they got her to change her mind that was important because that you don't hear that conversation a lot you don't hear you know and they and they didn't show their face which I thought was good because I don't know if it's like this where you are but our local news it's like they show everybody's face they show everybody's name I mean it's just like the shame police it's like the Mm -hmm. a parade of shame on the local news about somebody who's at their worst moment in their life and there's the news camera right in their face with their name sprawled across it because they took a pack of smokes or something you know and so to see these some of these people treated with dignity when they are at their lowest point i thought was really a nice touch why are you watching local news i like to stay informed no you're not going to be informed about shit except the worst possible things going on and the weather you know the weather you can get that from the weather.com or not around here you never know what it'll what the weather will be like. <laughs> so you have to watch all three channels and kind of mix them no. together to get to figure <laughs> out what's God. happening if i did that here i would be i would carry 37 guns on me at any given time and be like just constantly in a state of panic like i just can't watch local news responsibly like it's just i'm like he said what they did what (laughs) well it would definitely be nice if they treated people the way the hbo crew did yeah so of course the the one navajo that they have behind the scenes is black horse low yes although there's an arctic inuit up there i see an inuit name in there oh for real yeah priscilla hensley nangakiak you were talking about the images that they were showing during the talk about the cycle of violence for domestic violence Mm -hmm. did you happen to notice all of the indian wars imagery Mm -hmm. that was popped in there i thought that was interesting an interesting choice just because all of the treaty signings, all of the ways that the U.S. government has basically screwed over natives showed up in that montage of photos. 
in having put together a presentation for my work on U.S. policy and natives, I was it. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you for showing that. I appreciate it. They were like making parallels between how they were treating recruits and abusive partners, and then suddenly they switched and they were like, the U.S. government is the biggest, basically through the images that they were showing through this section. So she's listing off, she's like, financially, they're holding all your money. Yep. And then it's like, actually the, the abuser is daddy government. Yep. (laughs) And she even, and the councilwoman even brings that up about how they still have to get permission to spend this money from the government that they've been awarded to fight Mm -hmm. domestic violence. Yeah, exactly. Happy Native American Heritage Month. So overall, I would highly recommend Navajo Police Class 57. It's only three episodes. It's a rough journey, but it makes you appreciate the people that are putting their lives on the line to make a difference in their community and to protect the sacred. Agree 100%, Angela. So I think that's a... Two thumbs up from us about Navajo Police 57. Yep, Highly yep. recommend. And it's a, a nice inside look for those of you interest, more interested in the behind the scenes of Dark Winds. The and true so, story. <laughs> yeah, the true story. So thanks for tuning in and be sure to tune in at the same Indigenous time on the same Indigenous channel. Find us on social rate and review and take a peep at our patreon and remember don't just keep it real keep it it real real indigenous indigenous. oh two people does it well does it does it (laughs) 